in thinking of our Sunday school, the children, and the awards today. That's why I've headed to, to Matthew chapter 18. I was looking through the scripture and considering different verses on children, and then 18, the chapter 18 of Matthew, really puts it all together as you have the Lord's instruction on children. And it's wonderful to look at it, to take heed to it, because it will save us a lot of troubles in our families if we do take heed to what the Lord said about children. Uh, <clears throat> this occasion, it, the, the, the disciples didn't ask about children. They asked about something else. They were wanting to be the greatest <laughs> king of the castle, like children do, you know. I'm the king and no one can push me off. But the Lord turned that around, used that occasion from their question to instruct about children. He's, he's, he was and is a wonderful teacher, is he not? <laughs> the Lord Jesus. And as you look at these verses, you say, yes, he made us, he knows best. <laughs> And so may our hearts be blessed as we look at this. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven was the question in verse 1 <laughs> uh, from the disciples. And then Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. Can you imagine being that child? I wonder who it was. <laughs> and here he is, the example of what I'm about to teach you. If he was one of the disciples' children or whether he is one from just in the crowd that was listening, we don't know. But the Lord used the opportunity to speak about children to give us insights that we would not otherwise have. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word and how many things it covers for our instruction. And Lord, I pray for parents in this day in which we live where wickedness abounds and Lord we are endeavouring to protect our children, our grandchildren from the influences and from the evil that is in the world that they might have pure and clear and clean minds to be able to be your servants and minister for you and live a righteous, a godly and holy life. Lord we pray that you bless the children today and bless the parents with wisdom uh, give them understanding that they might guide and lead and shepherd their little ones aright. Lord, thank you for each one that's here today. May a blessing be ours for being in your house with your people, with yourself in the midst. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you can follow the outline there in the, uh, the bulletin. <clears throat> First point we have is the illustration of a child. <laughs> we skip down to verse 3. And said, this is what Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. We see their conversion, except ye be converted. The gospel can be comprehended by a very young child, can it not? The verse that we often quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As you discuss that with your children, you can put their name in there, on the, in the whosoever. For God so loved, you know, Susie, or whoever it is of your children, and they can comprehend that, that God loved me, 
and he gave his son for me. Verses like Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That can be comprehended. The simplicity of the gospel is seen in the word of God, but also the complexity of it as well. For those that want to go a lot deeper and a lot longer, we have the opportunity to read the doctrines of the word. Another one in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. These verses make it easy to comprehend, and these young ones can be, can be converted. Now, <clears throat> we've done it before some years ago, but how many here in the congregation were saved, become a Christian, believed on the Lord Jesus before they were 15. Before they were 15. Put them right up so I can see everyone. Okay. How many up to the age between 15 and 30 were saved in that period? That's quite a few. What about over that period? After, you know, God's been merciful to you. <laughs> Because usually we get so set in our thinking and that by that age, we don't want anyone telling us what to believe. Praise God for that. Shows his mercy and grace. But the majority of people you noticed were in the earlier age bracket. Where they don't have <laughs> the confusion of the worldly views in their mind. They have a simplicity of faith. They can be converted. And so we have this illustration the Lord gave here. Their conversion and their condition in verse 3, except you be converted and become as little children. It doesn't say that we should be childish. It says we should be childlike. And there is a difference between that. You know, some, some adults are childish in their attitude and behavior and reaction to things. But we need to be childlike, where we receive from God the truth of his word. We, we believe it by faith as a child believes. All of us, I think, would have done it with our children. You know, run and jump and dad, dad, mum, mum, mummy, daddy <laughs> will catch you. You know, they're on the table or something. Maybe that's the wrong thing. <laughs> You know, run and jump and I'll catch you. And what father or mother would not? They have that faith. Oh, I just believe you and I'll do that. And so it is with the word of God. God will catch us as we by faith believe. The condition become as little children. The consequence, if you don't in this verse, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God unless you believe like a child believes in the simplicity of their faith and trust in the one whom they have that faith in. If you don't, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Where is that sort of phrase used in another portion of scripture where God, the Lord Jesus, was talking to an adult man who came to him and he said, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God unless what? Ye be born again, <coughs> excuse me, born again. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 3, where Nicodemus came by night and Jesus said in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I believe that's physical and spiritual birth that's speaking of in verse 5. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Ye must be born again, otherwise you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. And more than 90% of people in this world are not going to enter the kingdom of God. When the way is so simple that a child can understand. And so we have the illustration that the Lord drew this little person into his midst before the disciples and gave him or her as an example. The illumination from a child is seen, something we can learn from them in verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How hard it is for adults, for us, to humble ourselves. A lot easier for a child. They don't have the hang-ups. <laughs> they accept that they've done wrong. They accept that they've sinned. They accept they've done, done something that's offended another or God himself. And they believe. So we have this illumination from a child that we need to see what and how they do it that we might also follow in their steps. In First Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 and 6, it reads, In like manner ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you. He's talking to Christians. Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. To become a Christian, we must come before the Lord Jesus and acknowledge we're sinners. That we have no way of saving ourselves. We can't do it in our own strength. And we must believe the Lord Jesus as a child would believe. And bow before him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Unsaved and saved. But saved do it in this life. <laughs> And humble themselves before the Lord and say, Lord, help. I need your help. I need you so that I can enter heaven. So the illumination, the response, their response is humility. And they can teach us. Little ones can teach us that. And their reception is in verse 5, back in Matthew chapter 18. And whosoever shall receive such a little child in my name receiveth me. There's a blessing for people that do children's ministry. For all our Sunday school teachers, for all the leaders in, in Good News and Sparkies and, and Youth Group. There's a promise, isn't it? They're receiving such little ones in the Lord's name and endeavouring to lead them unto eternity, unto eternal life. What a blessing there. It's been said, your relationship with children and how that fares determines really how you think of the Lord. These are people, little people, made in his image that are going to live somewhere for eternity, hell or heaven. How do we treat them? And then the next verses get very serious about this. So <clears throat> are you receiving little children or are they a pain to you? Buzz off. <laughs> Out of the way. <laughs> I'm busy. 
The ill treatment of children comes next in verse 6 and down to 9. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones who believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. A millstone, a grinding stone. We, we had some millstones at home when I was young. We, they were still working. They didn't work long after we got on them. But there was a thing to sharpen blades. It was a, it was a sandstone thing about that thick about that high and the centre in it and you'd, you'd crank it up. Yeah, some people are nodding. <laughs> and you'd sharpen things with it. You didn't have grinders in those days with electric engines. And so <clears throat> a millstone, you tie that around your feet, neck or wherever and, and, and throw you into the water, what's going to happen? Drown. This is the offence that we see toward or ill treatment of children. We see the substance of that ill treatment. How, how valuable is a child in God's sight? What did God do for children? As he's speaking in the context here, he sent his son to be their saviour. He wants them all to go to heaven. How do we then offend children? Let me give you a few ideas. It might start you thinking. Write some down too. Extras. I've put down by saying, you're to be seen and not heard. Hey, we can learn from children. Hmm. By speaking down to the children. When you speak to children, get down to where they are, even kneel down. Now look at my ball to eyeball. Get their attention. Look at me. Some of our grandchildren go like this to me. (laughs) I think their mum's taught them, look at me (laughs) when I speak to you. By harshly disciplining them, now I know they need discipline. The Bible says that. For, For foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it from him. And when we harshly discipline them for mistakes... Do children break things in your home? In your home, yeah. Hey, glasses are cheap. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, full drinking water in. But if we discipline them for their mistakes instead of for their sins, then we're offending them. There's a difference between sins and mistakes. Now, if they're acting foolishly and break something, then that's I think included in the sin side of things. By yelling at them. If you do that again, Johnny, you're going to cop it. And five minutes later, if you do that again, you're going to cop it. And how many times have I heard parents saying that and Johnny never copped it? They don't believe you. Nor will they believe God when he tells them about judgment. By abusing them. And isn't that a big topic of today? Physically, emotionally, spiritually? In the home, at the school, in the, in the church, on the internet. Untold pain and misery is being unleashed on children in multiple ways today. And it's happening in the school class sex education. That's offensive to God. That's not the school's business. That's a parent's business. Safe Schools program, and who's promoting or who promoted that? 
down south, <laughs> from the river down, the government. And some government said, no, nah, can't do, not on. A multitude of ways in which the children today are being offended. These systems, these programs can be used by perverts as preparatory places to exercise their hellish fantasies on the innocents. And we should be praying against it. It's offending them. By turning them away from the knowledge of God in our edu education institutions, what's the big one that they're pushing through the system today? Evolution. Evolution. Offending the little ones. There is no God. It all evolved. Humanistic philosophies. Ungodliness. Loose morality. You know, when was it that it said that God uses the education system to teach our children morality? We're to do it in the home. We're to do it in the church. These things that they teach in evolution and humanistic philosophies keep them ignorant of God and his work and his word. We can offend children by arguing as a mum and a dad before them. We can offend children by neglecting their needs while fulfilling our own as parents, not sacrificing for them. We can offend our children by keeping them ignorant of God's word. Terrible thing to do. I've had one parent say, well, we shouldn't be teaching them about hell. It will scare them. That's in God's word and Jesus taught them about that. It's serious. There is a serious side to raising children and we will be accountable as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents even for what we have done with children. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones who believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck. That's the seriousness of the situation. Verse 7 and 9, notice it even more serious. <laughs> the offender, we've looked at the offence, and now the offender, woe to the world because of offences. It must needs be that offences come, but woe to the man by whom the offence comes. This is Jesus speaking. <laughs> Woe. He, he, he really only got into this one other time in Matthew 23, where he pronounced all those woes on the religious leaders. Woe to these people. And uh, <clears throat> some of the ones that have gone out into eternity unrepentant, the woe is upon them, isn't it? Woe to those that continue to do and practice this. The offender, we see the woe there. Don't become a stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 8, we haven't time to turn there. Verse 9 to 13. Woe to those that offend new Christians in Christ. Woe to those that offend little ones, children, the strong and the weak. Or the strong offending the weak, the weaker one. And the warning in given is given, verse 8 and 9, Wherefore, if thy hand offend thee, this is, this is what it's better to do, but don't go ahead and do it. <laughs> this is what it's better to do. If thy hand offend thee, what, cut it off. Some people do that today. If 
Yeah, they do, don't they? Huh. Cut it off. They, they, somebody else does it to them. It better for thee to enter into life, halt or name, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. This is serious. This is what it would be better to do than to offend these little ones. It's all in the context of little ones. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It's better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and to be cast into hell fire. The Lord is serious about these little ones. This comes from a question, who's going to be the greatest? How the Lord turned it all right around and brought this little child in as an example. So we've seen the offence and the offender. And now verses 10 to 12, the illustration from sheep. As the Lord is looking on in verse 10, we read, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. Now, three times the little ones are brought up. Verse 6, verse 10, and verse 14. And so it's all in the context of children. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels, their angels do always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. God sees. Remember back in, uh, in Jacob's time when he had that vision. Was he was sleeping on some rocks. For a pillow and uh, <clears throat> he had the vision at night of angels ascending and descending as it were on a ladder to heaven we could call this the celestial highway <laughs> now i don't think they have to go up one way but he saw that in that sense they're going back and forward remember what happened in job's time that the lord gathered the sons of god the angels to give an account and satan was among them so they are they're giving account of what's happening and what's going on. Now, does God need them to do that? No, but he uses them anyway. As he, as he uses us, he could do a much better job on his own, but he's willing to use us in ministry. So this highway to heaven is with angels ascending and descending. Celestial traffic, I've called it. Jacob's Ladder. What is one task that these angels are performing according to verse 10? Giving report, are they not? I say unto you that in heaven, have they ever gone up, an angel gone up the, the, the ladder, to, as it were, to heaven and, and had to give a report about yourself, how you treated a little one, one of your own children? Serious. It seemed, this is what's happening here because the angels do always behold the face of my father who is in heaven the giving report when satan fell there he took a third of the angels according to revelation with him in his fall they followed him that means the workload for the remaining two-thirds of the angels increased by 20 percent when you add it all up Which means in our day, if they are their angels, their angels, at least one assigned to an individual, are beholding the face, that means about 246,500 angels are assigned to new people every day 
because of the increase in population in the world. It's, it's phenomenal. But they're very busy. You say, what do angels do? Well, just start thinking through this. That this many angels are reporting. It's a busy place, heaven. With all that goes on. God sees what's going on. God knows what's going on. God has these always beholding the face of my Father who is in heaven. Their angels do that. That is there, the children's angels. God saves, verse 10 and 11. Verse 11 particularly, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. And in context, he's speaking about little ones, children. He, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight, we sing. God saves these little ones. Our report goes back to heaven on people that use them as drug runners or give them drugs. Parents that give their children alcohol and things of that nature. Try puffing on a cigarette. All those, that is a very offensive thing to God. The speech, the belittling, false teaching. Dawkins and Hawkins and Attenborough and all these people that are teaching them false things constantly on the media, in the media, will be held accountable for God wants all these children to be saved, not willing that any should perish, but what? All should come to repentance. Music, entertainment, movies, games, sports, all these things that are dragging the children into the world, not letting them hear the word of the Lord. Too much time spent in doing those things and no time spent in the, the, the reality of eternity. Earth and heaven will pass away, but the things that God has taught will last forever. What's more important to instill in our children? The things of eternity, not the things of the earth. They will matter little, little in eternity, the things of the earth, but the eternal realities will, will be what matters. Let's impart, instill, and put into our children the reality of this. Do you ever sit down with your children and talk about eternity? <laughs> what did Arthur Stace hear when he heard John Ridley preach? Eternity, eternity, eternity. And may little ones hear from our lips and from our heart for them about eternity. It matters greatly. You know, in 100 years, maybe I need to add a few. In 110 years now, where will we all be? Dead. <laughs> or out into eternity. Then what? Our children too will be out in eternity. Will they be in heaven or in hell? There's a broad road that leads to destruction. Where are the children? Majority on the broad road. Oh, what a responsibility we have, and we will have to give an account for the way we treat. So God seeks, or sees, saves, and he seeks. In verse 12, How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them is gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and 
goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Is God, God concerned for little ones that have gone astray? Oh, yeah. Let us be concerned. Let's pray earnestly, fervently, and effectually for those little ones that have grown up and gone astray. And God might bring them back. Someone, somewhere, would come across their path. God seeks. What lengths has God gone to to save souls? Gave his only son. Gave the scriptures. Gave his servants, the prophets and preachers. Gave the solar system that we can read the message there. Gave his seasons for us to be blessed with. Gave the supply of harvest, springtime and harvest, and to the end God has promised. God has given us richly all things to enjoy, but chiefly he has given his son that we might be saved. And God seeks those that have gone astray. He's given and done all he can. It's, up, it's your choice. <laughs> Believe it. Or leave it. And then in verse 13 and 14, the elation of God. And if so be that he find it, the sheep that's gone astray, I say unto you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that went not astray. God is waiting for the repentance and faith of the little ones. Don't leave it too late. Even unsaved communist, give me a child till he's four and I've got him. It's early days that you need to do the training, not leaving it until you think that they can understand. How, how quick is it as an adult to learn a language? It's not quick at all. It's slow. Ask Juma. He's learning English. And they're all they're learning English. That's it's good. And you speak to the ones that have been here, the Africans that have been here for a year. They're getting it. But a child learns this. When do they start talking to you? It's been a long time ago since. <laughs> One, two, two, yeah, two years old. They start to, they've learned a language. If they can learn that, they can learn about the gospel and their sin and the need of salvation, can't they? They can. And God is very pleased when one of these sheep are found and brings it home rejoicing. Where is the other parable that speaks exactly the same as this? In John's Gospel? <clears throat> you have there, oh, sorry, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. <laughs> he rejoices. It's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And when each of them are found, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God when these little ones come home. Wouldn't it be great today if a little one gets saved, becomes a Christian, comes home to God and is born again. It, it can save them from a whole life of sin and all the besetting things that happen to those that are not saved. And again, it's reiterated in verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Not one of these little ones. Praise God for all the little ones in our service today. God does not want one of them to perish. That's what it says in the word. Do you believe that? I pray you do. As parents, if you believe it, act on it. And uh, in a moment, we're going to be giving the awards out to the young people. The Sunday school teachers will be giving them out. But 
I pray that we would respect and treat the little ones with that respect that God has for them and that they one day will be with those of us who are older who have believed in heaven. Uh, could be today. <laughs> could be today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your instruction on these little ones that we've read. And I pray that we would have your heart for them, that we would not be offending them, even by the good things that we allow, as it were, in their life. But it is offending them and drawing them away from God. Let us do all in our strength and power and understanding to lead our children with us to heaven. Will the circle be unbroken? When we get to heaven, will there be family members that are not there? Oh God, I pray that we'd work and labour and pray and teach and preach with the purpose of winning those little ones to save them from hell and to save them from a life of sin. We ask and pray your blessing on the little ones today for your glory and praise that they'd be raised to do your will if you should tarry, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.